Welcome to the Principal Pipeline, the Wallace Foundation's podcast. I'm Lucas Held, Director of Communications at Wallace, and I'm so glad you've joined us today for what we believe will be an informative and useful conversation. At Wallace, a major focus of ours for nearly two decades has been an effort to strengthen the training and support of school principals who play an important and essential role in school success. And so, for five years, starting in 2011, we invested in six large urban school districts to help them build principal pipelines and to learn more about what it takes to do so. What do we mean by a pipeline? We mean a coherent system of training, hiring, and supporting novice principals on the job with the goal of building a substantial pool of strong candidates to lead schools. On the Principal Pipeline podcast, we'll bring you an in-depth conversation with those who are actually doing the building of pipelines to share what we and they are learning, learning about how districts and states can develop good systems to produce a robust supply of effective school principals. Well, I'm delighted to welcome our two guests today from Hillsborough County Public Schools in Florida which is a district that includes Tampa. Tricia McManus is an assistant superintendent in Hillsborough, and Tricia oversees educational leadership and professional development for the district. Our other guest is Robert Bolai, who got his job as a Hillsborough school principal a year and a half ago after having been cultivated through the district's new principal pipeline and Hillsborough County is one of the six school districts participating in Wallace's Principal Pipeline Initiative. There are two key parts of the pipeline that we'll be focusing on today. The first is job standards that foster a district-wide understanding of what constitutes effective leadership, and the second is the hiring of school principals and how that has been made into a more intentional and rigorous process. An evaluation we commissioned showed that putting in place these two components of the pipeline produced immediate benefits for both districts and novice principals. And these two steps cost the least of any part of the pipeline. So let's find out from those who are managing and experiencing the pipeline how these two components of job standards and hiring worked and why they were worth doing. So Tricia, let's start with you. Developing job standards sounds like perhaps a mundane thing to some. And so from your perspective as an assistant superintendent, why was this important? And how are the standards helping Hillsborough? Okay, well, thank you. And thanks for allowing us to be um, part of this. Um, Job standards to me were actually the most important part of developing our principal pipeline. Um, because our standards, which we call in Hillsborough competencies, and I'll, I'll describe what they are in just a second, but they formed the foundation for everything else that we did. And until we had those very clear, we wouldn't be able to design quality selection, hiring, uh, preparation programs, an evaluation instrument, um, how we support principals, the goal setting. None of that would have been able to be designed at a, at a high level without strong standards defining what it is that principals and assistant principals should be doing in our district. So our job standards of leadership um, in Hillsboro have paved the way for all other parts of the pipeline. And um, 
They are uh, just just so you know what they are and achievement focus and results orientation. Um, that's one of ours for principals. Um, also, instructional expertise, managing and developing people, culture and relationship building, and problem solving and strategic change management. Those are our competencies, and they have actually formed the foundation for all other components of the pipeline. Did those take a while to develop, and was there a lot of debate about what those should be, Tricia? Uh, yes. <laughs> they, um, they, it probably took a, a year to actually end up with what is what is the agreed upon um, expectation. And we looked at our, our national standards at the time. We looked at the state standards. We looked at research. We looked at uh, Wallace studies that were on, on the um, Wallace site. We looked at many things with a committee, a core committee of leaders from our system, many principals, APs, and district leaders. And we, it took us a while. And we actually started with 21. And we knew that was too many. So we narrowed it to eight. And we still thought that was too many, and then we narrowed it to five. And so to get to that point of the core five, it probably actually took two years. Because after the eight, we actually developed a lot of tools around the eight. And when we narrowed it to the five, we had to readjust those tools. So I'm gonna, it was probably about a two-year process to really get to the final five. Well, that's a fascinating journey. Now, you could have just um, skipped the process and perhaps issued them. What do you think the process gave you that um, was better than just... Um, sending them out? Oh my gosh, ownership, number one. So our leaders have owned what those competencies look like. And they've, they've evolved over the six years of our implementation um, because until you use them in the field, so you still have this list of competencies and you have a rubric that defines them and that's all very powerful and, it, and it's, an important, it's very important. But not until you use them in your daily work. So our area superintendents who are principal supervisors in Hillsborough, having those conversations every time you're in a school working with a principal. Um, having principals work together on how are we improving our practice around the competencies. It's when you start to have that really deep use of the competencies that they completely transform the work. Really interesting. <clears throat> and can you share with our listeners one or two of the competencies that um, didn't make it to the final cut. This is sort of the, you know, the, the, the whole DVD version that you can get I for an extra 10 bucks. <laughs> I don't even remember <laughs> what the ones were, which is a good thing, um, because that was literally about six years ago when we had the 21, and then five years ago we narrowed it down to the, to the eight, and then it's been a good five years with the five. So I, I don't remember. I know there was some merging of, of different ideas because there was overlap. And we thought, well, why we can say this in one competency and we can define the elements more so deeply. So there was a lot of mm -hmm. um, concision, yes. uh, combining and making these yes. as tight as possible. Yes. And the fact that you can't remember them maybe suggests how embedded they are yes. um, into the fabric of the district. So let's turn to Robert. So. Um, were those standards something that you were aware of when you started moving through the pipeline? Yes, thank you for having me here today. I appreciate it. Um, I, I was very aware of them. Um, my, my cadre of colleagues, we came up in the assistant principal induction program, which is the second part of the pipeline. So that's where I started my journey, and that's where we um, really went through. And that was about six, seven years ago. 
Um, so we really went through the transformation of these competencies and we were able to better understand what was being asked of us as leaders in schools and what we were um, preparing ourselves for. So I, I did hold a deep understanding of all of the competencies when I applied for my first principalship job. And it sounds like that was helpful to know what those were. Uh, and if you sort of imagine applying for the job and not having them, <clears throat> what, what kind of advantage do you think knowing what they were gave you? For me personally, I think having the competencies in place um, helped me obtain a sense of self-awareness, uh, what my strengths were, what areas I needed to focus more on and grow, and what I needed coaching around. Um, part of our program is we, we get provided a coach for our first two years um, at the assistant principal and principal level. So it gave me something to focus on with my coach where I could have those constructive conversations and talk about some of the um, situations I may have dealt with at the school level that I may not have been comfortable with because I hadn't fully developed that competency. And it also gave me the, the ability to have those conversations with my principal and have my principal coach me up in those areas using their expertise. So it really sounds like it focused some of your um, <clears throat> studies that prepared you to be a principal. And there is an adage, really, that people can't hold more than five to seven things in, in memory. So really squeezing them down um, makes them manageable and focused. So that's really interesting to, to, to hear that. Um, uh, let's um, shift over to um, hiring practices. Um, uh, but before we, we do that, um, Tricia, maybe you want to say a word about um, what the role of the principal is and why principals are a kind of priority um, for the district. And then I want to ask you about um, how the pipeline has really changed uh, hiring. So, so the research is very clear, as everyone knows, on the, the, the role of principal and the impact a principal has on a school. And in Hillsborough, we've actually seen that. We've, we've seen it in reality. We've seen what a principal can do when they walk into a school, especially a school that may be struggling. And if they're a strong principal that is demonstrating these competencies at a high level, they can turn around a school. They can get the right staff there. They can retain the right staff. They know how to develop people. They know how to create systems and structures to ensure that students and the adults are successful. And so a principal is a critical player. And in our district, that role has been extremely elevated. Um, our superintendent and, and everyone feels the role of the principal is probably the hardest and most important position in the district because their ability to really get that staff moving in the right direction um, it's the difference between seeing pockets of excellence in a school or seeing an entire school that is striving for excellence together. That's really helpful. And tell us how hiring practices um, have changed since you began work on the pipeline in 2011. Okay. We've, we've have drastically shifted our hiring practices, and the hiring actually really starts not just once you're finished with our Preparing New Principals program um, and you're in the pool waiting to, to be placed into a school. Um, it doesn't just start there. It actually starts when you're trying to get into the Preparing New Principals program. So we um, used to have a very um, short type of process to be hired, to be selected into our Preparing New Principals program. Um, that has shifted. We now take our five core competencies, our leader competencies, and we have selection systems that include a lot of front-loading 
um, with essays responding to the that, that are addressing the competencies, with references that are rubric-based references that address the competencies. Um, we have after we go through that type of, of, of screening, we then bring our candidates, our principal candidates, into a review process at about 120 minutes, and they are role-playing and they're answering questions that are based on our competencies. And the whole time we're assessing them on our five core competencies. From there, they then go into um, our pool and they get the development, and now they're placed in a pool once they exit that program successfully. So that's the first part of hiring. We don't wait. We're looking at them throughout this process, each of our candidates. Now that they're in the pool, placing them in the right school, which is what we, with Robert, and he can explain his journey there, but the next part of hiring is another critical part, and that it's once you have a school vacancy, who is the best fit to go into that vacancy? We have a high, a quality pool of folks. Um, who is the best person to go into that vacancy based on what the school needs, matching it to the strengths of the candidate? So um, <clears throat> let's turn uh, to you, Robert. What was it like going through um, what really sounds like a two-stage process that um, is built around these five competencies? Did it feel like a kind of a walk in the park or something else? No, no. It, it, it was hard work. Um, to sum it up, I would say it was probably one of the best experiences of my professional as well as my personal life. Um, it helped prepare me for, for this dynamic role that I'm in now. It uh, gave me a support system. It introduced me to district staff that I'm working with every day as a principal so that I know them at a deeper level before I even started the job. Um, it provided me a cohort of colleagues that are now doing the same work that I am that I can reach out to if their areas of expertise are different than my own so that we can share ideas and I'm comfortable doing so because I've gone through this process with them and we've watched each other grow. Um, very, very, very comprehensive program. Um, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of uh, project-based assessment, not just theoretical knowledge. Um, I feel it truly has prepared me to take on this role. That's um, really terrific to hear. And what I hear you emphasizing is both the content and the relationships uh, that you developed. Uh, in a sense, you're part of a network in a district, um, built, again, focused on these five um, uh, 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 competencies. And um, Tricia, what do you think is next for Hillsborough as it continues to evolve um, the pipeline and in the area of, uh, of, of hiring and okay. standards? So we, we have even, since last year, also shifted the hiring part of the process, meaning um, there are many stages. So once you are going to be determined to be the match for the school, and in Robert's case, he was one of three finalists for his school, and he was the best fit based on what we needed and, and based on where he was coming from. Um, but even to get into the, that position, that school, we are now doing community interviews. We have learning walks that are happening. There, there are many parts now to figure out that you're the best candidate to be in that school. And all of this is kept in what we call our leader, leader selection tool. A lot of data about each of our candidates are in a tool so we can do those best fit placements. Next steps for us are really, we're looking now at are there any competencies or any elements that need to be further called out that really identify a leader that would be ready to lead in a turnaround type school or a school that is persistently struggling is there anything else and so we're doing we're spending we just received a national um, another a, a national grant and we're going to be studying 
are there competencies that are not fully addressed within our competency framework that would help us better identify, now that we have this great cohort of leaders, are any of them really stand out that could lead into turnaround school eventually? And let's put that group through a, another type of process, get them trained, and then those will become our future turnaround leaders. Um, and hopefully one day we won't need any of them because we will have turned around all of our schools. Um, but that that's our next step with this. So that really mm -hmm. sounds like an example of <clears throat> continuous improvement. And let me um, uh, close this podcast with you, Robert. Um, the principalship has been called an impossible job. Um, how are you enjoying it? Are, what, what are your future um, directions in this principalship? Well, I love the job. Um, to say it's impossible, I don't think is accurate. Um, to say that it is a heavy lift would be very accurate. Um, I enjoy a challenge. Uh, given my skill set, the school that I'm at now services military students as well as high-performing magnet students as well as low SES students. My experience thus far has been in all of those areas. Um, I had the military experience. My parents were in the military, so I was a military child. I was serving as an assistant principal in an IB school, and prior to that, I was serving as, as an assistant principal at a turnaround school. Um, so for me, I think the ability to find out more about myself and, and what I can do to further help students um, show success and learning gains would be my next step. So it sounds, um, just to close out this podcast, that... Um, uh, both of you are gaining deep satisfaction from your work and <clears throat> you're applying the tools of continuous improvement. I want to close by thanking our two guests today, Tricia McManus, Assistant Superintendent in Hillsborough County Public Schools in Florida, and Robert Bolai, who is a school principal. Thank you both for an informative and insightful conversation. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I want to thank our listeners for joining us today. And if you've enjoyed today's conversation, please rate our show on Apple's podcast to help others find us. And to learn more about Wallace and find notes about today's show, visit us online at wallacefoundation.org podcast and follow the Wallace Foundation on Twitter at WallaceFDN. We look forward to sharing our next Principal Pipeline conversation with you soon. Thank you.